your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, we got a couple of things that we got to get to today. Um, a couple of notes coming out of least practice today. Jake Muzzin got an update for him uh, as he wasn't at the morning skate or wasn't at practice rather. Uh, and we also know who's going to the All-Star break and who's not going to the All-Stars as the final uh, vote-in members have been announced here. So we'll get to all of that plus a bunch of news out in Montreal. They have finally found their man to be the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that situation if I think it's going to be a good deal. And if I think that the Maple Leafs may be able to take advantage of this situation. So it gets all that and more here today on Locked on Leafs. But let's stay right at home, right? The Maple Leafs uh, had practice today and Jake Muzzin was not there. Um, you know, there was reports out there that he just wasn't out there for the skate and he was missing. Didn't quite know exactly what was going on, uh, but it's been, you know, people have thought maybe he's playing injured or he's playing hurt right now, so perhaps just a maintenance day. And then after practice, we were told that Jake Muzzin actually is going to be out now for uh, at least a couple of games after sustaining a concussion in Saturday's win against the Blues. So uh, Jake Muzzin out for at least the next two games where they'll be heading out to New York. They got the back-to-back games uh, Wednesday and Saturday. They've got uh, the Rangers and then they've got the Islanders as well. And that'll be on what, the 22nd? I think they have the Islanders? Yeah. Uh, And so, like, Jake Muzzin's not going to be there, essentially. And it's it's it really comes at a weird time because Jake Muzzin has been in the in the the media a little bit and and you know people started piling on for his poor play as of late and yesterday Sheldon Keith was Keith was kind of asked about Muzzin's play and if if he felt that he hasn't been playing as well as as he had hoped or that they had envisioned him and this was basically his answer it's a little bit of a lengthy one but I'm going to uh it was it was um what's the word transcribed for me his answer was transcribed by David Alter so and I think it's a pretty good one it's a thoughtful one it's pretty well well put together so I'm gonna go through the entire thing so uh Sheldon Keefe said quote not to the level that he has shown in the league and has some inconsistencies in each game yet is still a very reliable and valuable player for us he takes on very difficult minutes he's a huge part of our penalty kill our most physical defenseman by far. He's doing lots of really good things, but I think there's some inconsistencies there, particularly with with the puck, and that's when things have gone bad for him. He's as committed as anyone to improving his game and is aware of what is going uh, going what he's going through. And the fact that he's got more to give is better. Or sorry, the fact that he's got more to give us and better to give us as anyone on our team. I don't know if that was just written or typed poorly or if he just spoke weirdly. But anyways, that was a weird sentence to have to read. Uh, He continues to say, I'm not worried about that aspect of it, but certainly something that we've continued to talk about. So 
And then a day later, it turns out that he's not going to be here. So I guess we'll figure out exactly how important Jake Muzzin is to the lineup because he's not going to be there tomorrow. Now, look, there's no ifs, ands, or uts about it. Jake Muzzin has not had the season that we all anticipated, that we all expected him to have. He's coming off a pretty good couple of seasons in Toronto, or a season and a half at least, in Toronto, where he's been a reliable, shutdown defensive defenseman, unreal on the penalty kill. He's a guy who you can throw out uh, and match up against the opposing team's top opposition players, uh, their top forwards, and trust that in a good situation, um, or in a bad situation rather, in his own zone, he can come away and and not have goals end up in the back of the net. And, you know, he was pretty good at handling the puck last year. We didn't see these turnovers that we've seen this season. But this year, both he and Hall really have both been coughing up the puck quite a bit in their own end, um, which have been leading to goals. Like, this has consistently been an issue all season long with these two. So, and, and obviously, it's being noticed. The, the head coach came out and said something about it. But at the end of the day, like, Jake Muzzin, he, he means a lot to this team. You know what I mean? Like, this is a pretty big loss. He's um, he's a minute muncher. He's a big-time penalty killer. He plays with a bite. You know, so I think the, the team's going to realize over the next couple of games just how important Jake Muzzin is. And maybe he's not, maybe he wasn't that bad. You know, perhaps Jake Muzzin wasn't that bad. Because now they go into a, a game against the New York Rangers tomorrow where it's going to be dicey. Like, let me tell you, that's a pretty good, talented team. Um... I'm not going to preview the game today. I'm going to preview it tomorrow. Uh, John Chick and I actually spoke, to be honest, earlier today. We we kind of did a, a show. We previewed the game, so that's going to be coming out tomorrow on Wednesday. But like that's a tough team. That's a deep team, uh, especially in the forward group and well, even on the back end. But you know, and and the fact that it's going to be in New York, so they'll have last change. They could pick on them because the D pairings don't look very strong. I guess you could say. You know, because there's no Justin Hall and there's no Jake Muzzin. Those are that we went into the season with those being the two shutdown guys. Those were supposed to be the second pair shutdown pair on this blue line, and they're not going to be there. Hall, he's still out with COVID along with Kasha and Richie, and then Jake Muzzin now with a concussion set to miss a couple of games here. So this is what the deep pairings are going to look like for the game against the Rangers. So Riley and Brody, they'll be the top pair. They're going to have to get ridden hard. I mean, like these guys are are basically going to be on the ice for half the game. I think Morgan Riley's on the ice for like 27 minutes in that game against St. Louis. I expect much of the same in this upcoming game. Uh, And mainly it's just because Sandine and Lilligren right now slated to be the second pair, but neither of those guys have consistently played like 20 minutes. I don't know, Sandine's played 20 minutes this year. So I think those minutes are going to have to get eaten up by by guys, you know, by Riley and Brody, and they may have to take on more significant, you know, defensive zone starts, which typically goes to Jake Muzzin, who currently is having a, a, a career year in terms of D-zone starts. He's, you know, Jake Muzzin, when you look at his zone starts, 63% started in the defensive zone, and that's the most that he's ever started. So you take that out of the equation, you don't want to put Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren, two young guys, you know, sit them in the D zone against the top six group in New York. They may have to a couple of times, and clearly New York's going to have the last change, so they might be able to kind of pick on them in, in a way, but... I if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I think Riley Bro to get a majority of those defensive zone starts, and you're gonna allow Sandy and Lilligren to go up in the offensive end, or potentially if if you know after you're expecting a fourth line shift to kind of come out, and you know just 
I, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how he how they work the D, the D bench. I think Dean uh, Dean Chinelth will also be part of part of the D bench and the D pairings and see how they kind of work things there. And then Dermot and Biega make up the third pair. So it's Riley Brody, uh, Sandine Lilligren. <coughs> And then Dermot and Biega. So that's the defensive pairings that they got going into, uh, which is going to be a tough game against a playoff team. You know, this is a, a, a legit, true playoff team that's like top five in the league in points, that is, at, at the very least. And so it's it's, it's going to be tough. You know, Panarin, uh, Mika Zibanejad is a talented, talented player. you got Chris Kreider who's got 20 goals on the year. Uh, Capocacco is starting to pick things up over there offensively. Um, you know, they, they got a deep squad with some really good players. Ryan Strom, another one that I didn't mention. So it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a tough battle tomorrow. But like I said, I'll, I'll detail that game, but without Jake Muzzin, it is going to be, uh, a, a, you know, a, a bit of a loss, but not just Muzzin, but Muzzin and Hall. Like these are two guys and where I, I'm not worried about it, but where I see this becoming more of an issue is on the PK. Like those are your two Two of your best penalty-killing defensemen, neither are going to be in attendance, neither are going to be out there on the ice. So look to see some guys step up. Maybe Dermott gets a, a chance to see what he looks like on the PK. I know Lilligren is, has got some PK time, so we'll see what they look like. I guess Biega is somebody who they could toss out there as well on the on the penalty kill if, if they feel he can eat up some minutes there. But it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of work the D, missing two of their, what they perceive to be two of their top four guys. Um... So we'll see, but definitely a big loss. Uh, but at the end of the day, hoping the best for uh, for Muzzin. You know, concussion is is uh, is a scary thing, um, and hopefully it's it's not a bad one. Hopefully it's not a lingering one. There's no long term lasting effects uh, for his sake at all, and hopefully it's just a couple of games precautionary. You know, and then he can get back out there and try and help this team win games once he gets back. Maybe it'll be a bit of a reset for him as well to try and, and, you know, take a couple of days off, try and get his mind off of things, off of hockey, and then come back next week and help this team try and win some hockey games. Uh, All right, speaking of hockey games, there's a big-time All-Star game happening later in the month, and one John Tavares was on the ballot on the fan vote-in ballots, but did he make it? I don't know. I'll tell you on the other side. But first, a word from our show sponsor. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Alright, welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of the show. And just a reminder, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And make sure that you subscribe and download it each and every day to get that daily Maple Leafs content directly to your phone. Uh, so Maple Leafs, uh, no, we're going with the All-Star game. <laughs> the All-Star game taking place at the end of the month here. Also, um, just a quick bit of information, I guess, before we get there. Just The All-Star game is, is, as of now, expected to go on in Vegas. And apparently, there is a possibility that there could be uh, 
more players than the guys who are just voted in. So they could be bringing some extra skill guys to take part in the skills competition, which I think is probably good for the game. I, I think it's it's great because there's a few players who did not get voted in who probably should be at the All-Star game. Uh, Trevor Zegers is one that, that comes to mind. Didn't get voted in, but he made probably the most electrifying play uh, in the last month or so, and, and everyone in hockey is talking about this guy. And he's somebody who ESPN can market around. So it would be smart to get him involved in like a trick shot competition or a shootout competition or a target practice or something. You know what I mean? So um, it sounds like I believe uh, Greg Wyshynski was tweeting um, and reporting how that could come into, into effect here this season. Uh, but let's get to the guys who did make the voting team. So uh, if you guys remember, I, I urged everyone, go vote for John Tavares, the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was the Maple Leafs representative for the fan vote-in ballot. Uh, I, I thought that Nylander probably was a little bit more deserving of that spot, but nonetheless, Tavares ended up getting it. And you know, and it is what it is. You're still going to vote for your guy, but ultimately, uh, he did not make the all-star team. Uh, Steven Stamkos was voted in as the last man in the Atlantic division. Um, Jake Gensel, uh, technically Mika Zibanejad of the uh, New York Rangers was voted in to be the, the last guy for, uh, for the Metro, but due to personal reasons, he will be unable to attend. So Jake Gensel, who I personally felt was more deserving than Mika Zibanejad, to be quite honest with you, will take his place instead. Like, Jake Gensel's having one incredible season. I, I have him in <laughs> in fantasy. It's funny. You can you can you always end up kind of gravitating to how well players are doing because of fantasy hockey. And you could tell, like, if you have someone, you just you 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 always want to share how great this player is doing. When I look at Jake Gensel, like 32 games, he got 38 points, 20 goals, 20 goals in 32 games, like on pace for 50 goals. So yeah, I'm not surprised that he was given the nod here. I'm glad that he will be at the All-Star game. He is one of the game's most talented players, incredibly underrated. So luckily he will be there. Um, the fact that Brad Marchand's not going to be there is still a joke to me. He didn't even make the, the ballot, um, which is sad, but he's not going to be there. Uh, who else not going to be there either? That that was the only guy who was in the top 10 scoring who didn't ultimately make it because Stamkos ended up making it and Azim Kadri ended up making it. Um, and uh, so Marshawn doesn't. So that's extremely unfortunate, um, but it's what it is. Speaking of Marshawn, he has become quite the character on social media lately. First, he was sounding off about the players not going to the Olympics, and then there was the whole thing with him and Panarin. He threw a glove at Panarin. It's the latest. He's, he's he's going off or going up against, I guess, Vincent Trocek in some sort of social media battle. It's not even Trocek. Trocek didn't really do anything. I think somebody said, like, oh, like it was like in a media, and someone said to him, hey, like, you know, your career trajectory is kind of like Brad Marshall. Like, what do you say about that? And then... You know, just based on the fact that it's a, you know, kind of later in his career, a bit of a, you know, a two-way guy, plays on the edge, but also, you know, was very good offensively. And the way he took that, I think it was a joke, but the way he took it, he's like, what, are you calling me a rat? <laughs> Brad Marchand didn't quite appreciate that. So <laughs> he took to Instagram and he put on a little post and he was saying, Comparing this guy to me, Trocek to me, is like comparing a Lambo to a Prius, and I thought that was just 
one of the funniest things that I've read uh, on in hockey social media circles in a very long time. So Brad Marchand really starting to go outside the box a little bit. Even he, I don't know if you guys saw this last week. He delved into it and said that he was a Leaf fan growing up. He said it pained him to admit that, but he was a massive Leaf fan growing up out out east in Nova Scotia, and uh, now obviously and diehard Bruin fan, I would assume. But uh, yeah, Brad Marchand quickly becoming a bit of a character uh, through social media. It's 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 interesting. It's an interesting angle that he's decided to take here. Uh, but get to to get back to the All Star Game conversation. Um, so that means that Jack Campbell and, and Austin Matthews will be the lone representatives for the Toronto Maple Leafs at uh, in Vegas for the NHL All Star Game. So. One more congratulations to Soupy Campbell and Austin Matthews and everybody else who got in. And thank God Nazem Kadri got in. You know, I I went on a diatribe on many different shows, on this one, on, on you know, Leafs Lunch, and I think I even talked about it on Overdrive, how it was just an embarrassment to the league that Nazem Kadri was not at the All-Star game. Like, the fact that he had to get a, a fan vote to get there is just embarrassing. You know, but he got there. He got there. He does lead the league in in points per sixty. You know, in all situational point per sixty, he leads the league. Or in five on five points per sixty, he leads the league. So and almost laps the league at that. And the fact that he needed to get a vote was just outrageous. But nonetheless, uh, they corrected the mistake, and uh, and now he is there. But Brad Marchand still the biggest snub to me. Um. Okay, let me take uh, let me take one more quick break. When we get back, I'll get into this Montreal Canadiens uh, situation. We'll go around the league a little bit because there's some also some drama going on in Edmonton that I also want to kind of talk about, I suppose, and update you guys on, on what's going on. Leon Dreisaitl and uh, and and you know local legendary Edmonton beat writer Jim Matheson really got into it uh today at practice i'll fill you in on that situation i'll tell you about the montreal Canadiens' new general manager hire and if i think the maple Leafs might be able to benefit from it so we'll get to that more when we return here on the locked on leafs podcast all right welcome back into locked on Leafs. mike DeStefano, the host of the show so um, yeah, we're going to we're gonna head around the league a little bit. We'll stay within Canada, though, because there's two major stories going on within the country. One, Leon Dreisaitl and his standoff with Jim Matheson uh, earlier today at Oilers practice. It was, it was something. So I'll go into that a bit, and then we'll also discuss the Montreal Canadiens general manager hire. Uh, but to get into the Leon Dreisaitl discussion, I think I need to play the audio. So um, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, here, let me cue it up, and I'll play it for you guys, and then I will let you know my thoughts uh, afterwards, I suppose, and kind of give you my you know understanding of the situation, uh, who I think was right, who I think was wrong, and whatnot. So let's cue this up here. Well, nope, not going to happen. There we go reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing what do you think is the number one reason for the losses now is there is there one thing that you in your own mind you're saying we got to get better at that yeah we have we have to get better at everything would you like to expand on that no nope. you can do that you know everything 
Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I'm, answering your... Yeah, you are. Whatever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. So he, he followed up with, an, with another question about, uh, you know, if he feels that him, him getting angry on the ice is a good thing. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that he was able to get a, a follow-up question in after that. Uh, but yeah, this that was that was spicy. I mean, that's uh, first and foremost. I think they're both in the wrong. To be honest with you, I I do. And um, Jim Matheson completely unprofessional to call him out for being pissy. Was he being pissy? Yeah, you know he didn't really give him an answer. And look, it's it's Jim's job to go out there and, and get quotes from these guys to try and fill fill the newspapers. Like that, at the end of the day, that's their job. And you know, just saying everything. You know, we, we need to we need to work on everything. That's not enough for him to write his story. So he needs a little bit more. So we asked, care to explain, expand, hoping for him to say. You know, I mean, he's probably baiting him, trying to say we need to save, like we need goaltending, but he's not going to say that, right? Leon's not going to say that. So he said, nope. Real short, one ter- one word answer. But like, what he could have said was easily. I mean. Yeah, we gotta we gotta buckle down defensively. Our structure's been poor as of late, and you know we're hanging our goalie out to dry. Or you know, giving up six goals a game. It's not entirely the goaltender's fault. We gotta help him out, and it's gotta be a full team buy-in. That would have been perfect. Why couldn't you have said that, Leon? Instead of expanding, you said nope, and it was kind of short. It was kind of kind of pissy, to be honest with you. And Jim Matheson, you know, asked, well, you want to expand? And he says, nope. And then follows up with what was kind of a slap to the face to Matheson, where he goes, um, he says, nope, we need to work on everything. And he said, can I expand? He said, nope, you know everything, is basically what he said. You know everything. Uh, so insinuating that Jim Matheson, feel, you know, is, is a bit of a know-it-all and thinks he knows everything and Clearly, he didn't feel too kindly of that and called him pissy for that little uh, sly remark that Leon slipped in there. So, you know, n- neither um, neither are innocent in this. I-, I think Matheson stepped over the line a little bit more than Leon did. But, I mean, Dreisaitl just had to answer the question, and it wouldn't have got that far. But, you know, it's chicken or the egg, I guess you could say, in a, in a sense. But at the end of the day... These happen, you know, these happen sometimes, especially when tension's really boiling over in, in Edmonton with the team not winning a, a game since they returned from their pause, and Leon Dreisaitl not scoring at the rate that he was scoring at early in the season when the team started off at 6-5, and five. but since December 2nd, the Edmonton Oilers are the second last team in the NHL. The sec- They have two wins since December 2nd, two wins, a team with Leon Dreisaitl and Conor McDavid, arguably two of the top Two, arguably two of the top two players in the NHL, certainly two of the top three or four. So it's it's kind of amazing that uh, that the team could be so much in the dumps considering what they have. But nonetheless, I think that just means that the team's going to be even more perplexed and pissed off when you know they're losing like this, knowing that they're wasting you know such great talents. And uh, yeah, I, in a way, like I don't blame. Leon for being a little bit pissy, but at the same time, you know, answer the question, and then when it comes to Matheson, you just don't say that, man. You can think it, you know, everyone's thinking it, of course, but you just don't say it. I mean, come on, you really don't. 
Um, I, I'm still shocked that he was able to get that follow-up question in afterwards as well about the game in Ottawa. That I, If I was the media guy over in Edmonton, I'd be like, okay, we're done here. As soon as he said, you're pissy, all right, we're done. That's it. Thanks. Close up shop. We'll see you all tomorrow. And uh, <coughs> yeah, it would have been interesting. But something that I thought was, uh, I want to say it was Brian Hayes who brought it up. He said, uh, or uh, maybe it was Hayes or Noodles, somebody on OD, I can't really remember which of the three guys said it, but they were saying back in the day when, when you know, before COVID, I mean that long ago, like two, two years ago, if there was a problem with a couple of guys, you know, like Leon Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson, if they had a problem between a reporter and a player, a time to hash that out would have been, like, after that, he could have went into the dressing room and said, hey, look, what's the deal here? You know, what's the problem? You know, clearly you don't like what I've written about you. Can we try and hash this out? You know, like, that's happened before. I've, I've talked to many former players who've been in that situation um, where they've had to hash things out. I've spoken to many reporters who've had to hash things out where, you know, a player didn't think what, what the reporter wrote about them was entirely fair. So they just kind of sat down and they talked about it and they explained each other's viewpoints and then boom, they're fine. Now all of a sudden they're answering each other's questions again. You know what I mean? So the being all remote and being on Zoom and not being in person, not being able to have that one-on-one personal time also kind of uh, escalated this because then Matheson had to have that conversation on a live mic live on a recorded press conference. So, you know, it's 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 an interesting situation. It happens a lot, but it's, it's always... It's always entertaining when it does. That's for sure. It gives gives the hockey hockey uh, hockey media something to talk about. Got guys like me and and other writers and podcasters and bloggers. But at the end of the day, man, the, the Oilers aren't doing well, and and I'm, I don't blame Leon and Connor too. Connor on the weekend was a little pissy, um, you know, after dropping a game to the Senators in which they led. I think they also led four one. It was four one, guys. It was four one, and they lost. Where have I seen that before? Um, well, all right, let's let's uh, let's get to this Montreal Canadiens news. So they've hired player agent Kent Hughes as the new general manager. Uh, if you're not familiar with the name Kent Hughes, it's because he's you know a former agent, right? He's not a guy who's been around the game, more of a behind-the-scenes type of guy. And he's not Pat Brisson. He's not you know one of these big-time agents that you hear about. But he's an agent nonetheless. He's been around the game for years. He's French-speaking, which is also basically imperative to have this the, the role and the title as general manager in Montreal. Um, but I, it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic. <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, he's going to be working under Jeff Gordon, so he's not going to get the reins right away, and it's not going to they're not going to have an opportunity to. You know, try and get one past the new guy as as much as you may think. But you know, working under Jeff Gordon, I think is a, is a good thing. Like Gordon's a a good GM. I thought what he was doing in New York was was really good. Basically, what you see happening with the Rangers right now is what Gordon built. That wasn't necessarily. I think it's Chris Drury who ended up with the job there. I don't think it's not him. It's what Gordon built there, and they just unfortunately fired him for the whole Panarin and uh, was it Tom Wilson situation from last year. He ended up out of a job because of it, and it's it's really unfortunate because I thought that he was doing a good job building that team. 
But, you know, one man's trash, another man's treasure, and the Montreal Canadiens get themselves a new president. Not a general manager, but a president. And then he wanted to go out and get a guy who he could groom into becoming a general manager. Um, but it, it essentially, like, if, you, if you're a basketball person, I'll put this into kind of a local sports uh, terminology for you. I think that the the dynamic between, like, the power structure between Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes is going to be very much like uh, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. Like, it's just, Kent Hughes has the title as general manager, but I think Jeff Gordon is going to have final say and, and a lot in, say, in hockey operations. Um, until, you know, maybe eventually Kent Hughes will, will get his, you know, wings and he'll be able to fly and, and be the guy. But I think for the next little bit, uh, the whole point of going with a younger, inexperienced guy, I don't even know if he's that young, but an inexperienced guy was strictly so that Gordon doesn't have a weird power struggle with somebody. There was a lot of people who wanted Patrick Waugh, like a lot of people within Montreal as well. Um, like the, the fan base wanted Patrick Waugh to come in and be the GM. But could you imagine the power struggle between Jeff Gordon, who is the number one, who is the guy, the head honcho, who, who has the final say in hockey ops, and then Patrick Waugh, who will want all of the final say and will not want to listen to anybody ahead of him, uh, above him. So probably wouldn't have worked out very well when you think about it, when you consider the type of power structure that they're looking for in Montreal. Uh, but, like, th- th- this team is just god-awful. Like, it's so bad. They've got... They've got a lot of work cut out for them. Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes does. They're 7-25-5, 19 points, last place in the NHL, a minus 58 goal differential. And, like, the team is, they don't even have much, like, to sell is is another problem. Like, the team that they have is is basically the same team from a year ago that went to the Stanley Cup, but for whatever reason, it's just not working this year. Big part of it, of course, no Carey Price, no Shea Weber, but I didn't think that they were literally from first to worst when you look at it in terms of like going from the cup final to being the head honcho in the fight for right. It's actually insane when you look at the stark contrast between how they finished a year ago, not even how they finished six months ago, to how they're doing now. It's insane. Um, but you look at the roster, it's virtually the same, and, and it's a lot of big money deals with term and how are they going to maneuver this to rebuild this team i I don't know like jonathan jonathan drew and he's got you know a year on top of this one so he's not a ufa josh anderson's got four more years left on his deal after this mike hoffman's got two more years after this dvorak's got four years they give up a first round pick for this guy a couple of er, er, this past summer he hasn't done anything for them what's dvorak done i'm curious actually i like, I, he, I don't think he's has 10 goals yet this season. He's really not doing much of anything for this club. He's got five goals, 12, five goals, 12 points in 30 games. They gave up a first and a third round pick for that guy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's not going over very well, um, I would imagine, in Montreal. So they've got a bunch of guys who are under contracts uh, that I'd imagine they would look to trade. Like, is a fire sale coming? Somehow, Yoel Armia is making $3.4 million for the next three, <laughs> for four years. 
How did they sign that contract for Yoel Armia? He's a fourth-line winger making $3.4 bucks. That contract's going nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Arturi Lekanen, perhaps, 26-year-old, kind of a rugged winger, uh, a middle six guy, probably a third-liner more likely. But he's a pending RFA, so he might be a, a, a piece that they could use to trade. Cedric Paquette, a little bit of a depth guy. Outside of that, there's really not much until you get to uh, until you get to Ben Chirot. Ben Chirot's their lone really established, I would say, UFA. He's got $3.5 million left, and that's a target that I think the Maple Leafs could be interested in. Ben Sherrod. So when I say could the Maple Leafs take advantage of the situation in Montreal, I think Ben Sherrod's the guy who they would target, pinpoint, and try to acquire. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's a left shot, but he plays the right side. He can play the right side. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a defensive defenseman. That's what he is. He's a defensive defenseman. And he's a pretty good one, too. I would say top four. Uh, so Ben Sherratt, if he can come in, you move him over to the left, you got him and, and, and Jake Muzzin, that's a tough, tough duo that they'll have there. So I don't know what it would take. There were rumblings about Sherratt being on the, on the block and having it cost a first-round pick to get him. I don't know if I'm comfortable paying a first-round pick for, for Ben Chirot, um, who is a pending UFA. If it was somebody with term, like if he had maybe a year or two left on the deal, perhaps. But uh, the, the UFA status thing kind of kind of irks me a little bit. Not irks me, but scares me off when you also factor in what happened last year with Nick Foligno in a, in a, you know, as a rental, and they were unable to bring him back, and it just didn't go over very well and ended up losing their first-round pick. You don't want to lose that you know, an additional first rounder for a guy um, like Ben Sherrod if it doesn't work out. Uh, so Ben Sherrod's a guy who I think maybe they could take advantage and try and get. David Savard is a guy who has term. He is a natural right shot defenseman. Um, he's more of a 4-5 type guy. He could be an option, you know, defensive defenseman, right shot guy. Won a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay a year ago. So he's somebody who has a winning pedigree. He's got term. That's, you know, three and a half million bucks. Isn't too bad for a guy who you're hoping to stick in your top four. 31 years old, so maybe on the tail end of his career, might be on the downswing of his career. So, you know, take a little bit of solace into that. But I think David Savard is a decent option as well. And I don't think it would take a first round pick. It wouldn't take as much as it would to get Ben Sherratt, possibly uh, I think they have their two next year, maybe like a two and a, and a prospect, a two and like Ronnie Irvin or something like that. Maybe they could get it done uh, for, for David Savard, perhaps. Um, maybe even just a second round pick could get it done. Who knows? But I think um, I, I think there could be something there if, if Toronto wanted to. There's not many right shot defensemen on the market. The other one that's interesting is going to be Jeff Petrie. I don't think he's a fit for Toronto. But he's making $6.25 million for the next four years. And he's having like, arguably the worst season of his career, but coming off the best season of his career. So it'll be interesting to see if they can move him and pick up some assets. Uh, again, no idea what that would, what would cost the team. Um, possibly a first-round pick. Like, I don't know, just because he's having such a bad year. But if this was this past summer, for sure he'd be worth a first-round pick, especially considering he had term on his deal as well. So if you feel that you could get this guy to, to, to turn it around, I suppose, although he is 34 years old, I don't know. Um, found the fountain of youth at 33, but it seems like it might be going downhill now. 
But that's another name that I think is going to be interesting going forward. And then obviously, Terry Price. You know, he's uh, starting his rehab over again, it sounds like. The Montreal Canadiens came out. They talked about that. And um, I wonder if we ever see him in a Habs uniform again. I, I'd be shocked if we see him this season. I think he's done for the year. I think once the Olympics kind of, the Olympic dream went away, I think he, uh, the drive to get back early or drive to get back on a timely matter kind of went away. And now that the team is just absolutely crap in the bed, there's no rush for him to come back. So I, I don't think he comes back this year. And then I wonder if they try to move him in the summer. And when you think back to last year, it seemed like they were willing to move on from Carey Price. They, they exposed him in the expansion draft. He could have been in Seattle. I wonder if that gets revisited again. I really do. I, I I would assume to get that contract off the books, they would have to eat some of it. But if they eat enough of it, like I think he's making ten five. Like let's say they eat three and a half of it, and and you know Carey Price had a seven million dollar cap hit for the next few seasons. I, I think there's a team out there that could bite for sure. For sure, I think there's a team out there that could bite on that. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers could definitely use a goalie. I don't know if they could afford a $7 million goalie without having to do some some reconfiguring themselves, but they could certainly use a goalie. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Montreal. Um, I can tell you one thing, though. I'm not upset about them doing really, really bad and bottom, bottoming out. That said, if they do end up getting uh, Shane Wright, which is a possibility based on fact that they're dead last and in the fight for right that could pose some problems a little bit for the maple Leafs, you know four or five years down the road uh but hey that's a problem for the future i want to only care about the present and presently the toronto maple Leafs are are well in stride to beat up on the canadians um after they after they got embarrassed last uh last spring but we're not going to talk about that anymore uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's kind of put a little bow on on today. I think that that's gonna do it for me. Um, thank you so much for uh, for listening and supporting the show. Uh, you can subscribe to the Locked On These podcast wherever you get your podcasts from and get daily Maple Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Make Underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Uh, I've got a preview Leafs and Rangers going up tomorrow morning uh, with myself and John Chick. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.